welcome to another episode of the Hope Mindfulness Compassion Show. My name is Paul Garrigan and I manage the mindfulness program here at Hope. Hi, my name is Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hello. Who are you? So, I'm Hannah. I'm from Australia. I am uh, well, the next client here at Hope and now I'm working here as a volunteer. And tell us a bit about how you came here because I know you've kind of got an interesting story. And the fact that, you know, while you were here, you wrote some posts about your journey, Mm -hmm. some articles for uh, Voice about your journey. So what got you to hope in the first place? Good question. (laughs) So I uh, was a heroin addict and I had been in the midst of a three and a half year relapse. I couldn't get clean, but I didn't want to stop trying. Um... I, this is coming to hope it was my 19th admission in about three years and everything had failed and so I was I was planning on going to another rehab in Melbourne and I just had this realization that it was utterly pointless doing that because you know I'd done I'd used drugs in rehab I you know every every silly thing that you can do I'd done and I'd heard about hope I'm not even sure maybe Kat Monell think that's where I heard about it um who's another vice writer and I started calling around I was looking at this place and also a rehab in Bali but I spoke to Simon and uh yeah we basically started chatting and I said would you be interested in me coming and writing about my time at Hope and also about addiction and recovery generally and he said yes absolutely so I spoke to my editor at Vice. I hadn't written for about two years because I was too messed up. I, nothing, nothing. All I did was use drugs. And um, somehow, this is the part I don't quite understand because I was, I was in a really, really bad place. I don't know how I managed to kind of organize this whole thing and, and pull it all together, but the next thing I knew, I was on the plane to Thailand and I had agreed to write five articles uh, a column while I was here and uh, I don't really know how it happened but but it did it's one of those things I, like I had been talking to my boyfriend previously and saying I think I need to go to a Buddhist retreat I think I need something spiritual to happen something like that which I've never tried before and then I realised I can't I can't go somewhere like that I have a heroin habit like I can't do that and somehow I ended up here and why, you know, you've, you've kind of uh, touched upon some of this already, but why, like, did you really kind of come to the conclusion that you couldn't find the help you need in, in Australia? Well, because I tried in three different cities to get clean. I tried so many different detoxes, clinics, uh, rehabs, and nothing, nothing was working. And, and was it that you were not ready? Um... No, I was ready. I had been using against my will, as they refer to it, for a good three years. Because I had two and a half years off and then I relapsed. And um, I, I, I never was okay with just resigning myself to being a heroin addict. To getting on methadone and just going, okay, well this is my lot in life. Um, so I kept trying and trying and trying. But removing myself from Australia, I think, was really important because, you know, I have so many triggers there. Like I said, I, it's so easy to, to get drugs delivered 
they're happy to do that. And I don't know, I thought I'd try one last time. I was at the point where I had made a decision that if I could not get clean, I would try one last time. And if I couldn't do it, I would kill myself because um, I I couldn't handle living like that anymore. Yeah. I just could not. It was completely unbearable. And it is, it's kind of horrible when you're kind of, you know, it's okay if you want to do one or the other, if you want to just take drugs, yeah. that'd be fine. But it's when you want to take drugs, you want to stop at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's what's hell. hell. I just, I had lost any faith I had. I had lost faith in myself that I could, could stop. And I think the biggest thing was I didn't see the point in stopping anymore because it was just me and I didn't, I didn't, what was, you know, I didn't feel worth it, I guess. Yeah. And I suppose you kind of lose credibility with yourself, don't you? Yeah. If you keep on kind yeah. of promising to change and then you find yourself back where you started, you kind of lose that credibility. You can't even believe yourself. No, no. And every time I would say, this is the last time and, you know, I, I would um, get my syringes nearly every night and like break all the tips off them and say, never again. And then I'd have to just go through the whole thing in the morning and, oh. Um, and if it gets to a point where you're doing it and you almost know it's not going to But I meant it every time. Yeah. I meant it at the time. But then when I would wake up in the morning and I'd be physically sick from withdrawals. And it's a, I refer to it as being possessed, basically. That's how I felt like I, I, I would leap out of bed in my pajamas, get into the car and be driving to my dealer's house. And I wouldn't even, I was just on complete autopilot. I didn't, it's just, it was, it was the only way I could get through the day. And the physical sickness, the terror of being sick as well with heroin, it was so strong. Like, it is the worst feeling. I think um, you capture all of this really well in, in your posts for voice. And I kind of urge anyone listening to kind of check those out if you haven't already. I mean, you. but did you manage any, any um, clean time? So you, after these rehabs, I mean, did you any substantial clean time? Yeah, so I did my first rehab when I was 29, and I stayed clean after that, all up for about two and a half years. I didn't use heroin for almost four. And how was that, that two and a half years? Amazing. Um, my life, everything was fantastic, um, but that ended up being the problem. Uh, I started doing a lot of writing again, I was playing music, I was engaged, I was really happy. And what happened was, I was in Thailand for a wedding on an island and everyone was drunk and after a week I was like I just I just I was tired of being vigilant all the time yeah I, I, get, I, get that, I, yeah. I wanted to be like other people and just be able to let my hair down for the night and you know have a little holiday from myself basically because I kind of, you know, I refer to that as the never-ending self-improvement project. Yeah. That kind yeah. of starts to work, work, like, you know, it certainly used to wear me out. Yeah, it's exhausting. And, you know, I, I didn't, because drinking hadn't been my, my drug of choice anyway, and it was fine after that. Like, I had a couple of cocktails in Thailand, and everything was fine until eventually it wasn't fine, and I was using heroin again. Um, and then after that, over the past couple of years, uh, I would get a few months up here and there. At the beginning of this year, I, um, I got four months up before relapsing, and then used again for about two before coming to Hope. 
did, 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 just to touch on something you kind of you, you said there. I mean, do you do you kind of find it a bit, I don't know, illogical that often the kind of attitude that heroin users have to alcohol. Yes. In, in a sense that, like, you know, as an alcoholic, you know, there's no way I could kind of justify to myself, well, you know, I never had a problem with heroin. It would be okay to use heroin. Yeah, it, it makes no sense at all. But I ran with it. Mm. You know, and other people would say to me, that, like, non addicts would say, well, it's just alcohol. Like, it's fine. It's not heroin. So, heroin's so socially unacceptable. And other people would say, you know, cocaine was okay yeah. once in a while at a party or something, like a normal person, but heroin, no, 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 no. And so alcohol, you know, it's everywhere. And it seemed like time had passed. I was older, <laughs> I was wiser, and it's just alcohol. But it can't be any, because I've, I've had quite a few friends who are heroin users that mm. gave up heroin and died of alcoholism. Oh, yeah. I mean, it can't be that yeah. much of a secret. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's funny because even since I've been here, that many people sharing at um, NA meetings I've heard, same story as me. Oh, yeah, I had some time off a couple of years and decided to have a drink. And then <laughs> years and years later... I mean, it's. I feel very lucky that I have managed to get clean again because I know a lot of people, um, they don't make it back. Mm -hmm. They get stuck forever or they die. So. Do you think it's, it's, it's harder for women to, 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 um, to kind of get lasting clean time? I don't think it's harder. I think that it's just different. Because in your, I mean, reading your post, and I think one of the one of the really, you know, fascinating. Well, I don't know if that's the right word, but one of the really kind of things that really kind of I found interesting was your the, the perspective of women, mm. and that it is it, it is in many ways a very different journey, and, and there seems to be a lot more shame, a lot more. In, in like it's like women have more to lose even by admitting that they have a, admitting that they have a problem. Yeah, and I mean particularly. In, Speaking to women when I was a client here and gathering their stories and other rehabs I've been to, you know, a lot of women in active addiction have children and I, I personally don't have children, but from talking to them, that's, that's such a hard situation and they're having to hold it together. So the fact that some women don't even, they can't even make it into rehab or any treatment because what are they going to do with their kids? They may not have a partner. They may not have a partner that will uh, be willing to acknowledge that they actually need help. Mm. You know, women are just supposed to kind of keep it together and, and juggle everything. And then what, what I've found from talking to women, they do that, they do that, they do that well for years and years and years, and then it gets to breaking point and they completely snap. And the lucky ones do get help, but I don't know. I like so I don't think it's harder. I think it's just different. And you know, when I was using heroin, like sometimes I would, if I went to a doctor and you know had to get some kind of pills or whatever, and he would always he was usually a man would always say to me, "Oh, so you know your partner uses and stuff," and I'd be like, "Excuse me." What do you mean? And I'm like, well, your partner uses too. And I'm like, why are you assuming that I have some guy at home that's like using heroin as well? Because it wasn't. It was usually just me. But it's like this assumption that 
to, to be a female heroin addict, I guess, is kind of abnormal. They usually, I mean... So they're basically, the, the, the storyline is you're some poor woman who's just been exactly. brainwashed. Yeah, yeah, and that, that I'm a victim in it in some way. For me, like, starting to use heroin, it was actually, to, to a certain degree, a conscious decision. Because, and this is, I'm actually writing about this at the moment for my next column. Um, I did not know how to, I didn't have the skills to communicate to my family or my friends or anyone that I was not okay and I really needed help. So my thinking at the time, my best thinking was, I'll become a heroin addict <laughs> and they'll have to see how messed up I am. And it sounds crazy, but I've spoken to a few other people um, who basically did the same thing. Yeah. And I suppose addiction, I mean, can give a kind of, uh, almost give a voice to people's pain. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I was in denial. I thought I could handle it. Like, I'd had friends die from overdoses in my early 20s and stuff, but I, I thought I was different. Mm-hmm it wouldn't get me. I was stronger than that. Because I'd always taken a lot of drugs, party drugs and all that stuff, and, and they'd never um, got the better of me. You know, nothing brought me to my knees until I started using heroin. Um, but yeah, I, the women thing, I don't know, it's, like we were saying before, it's very much, you know, if you think of, of men and using drugs, like whether it's someone like Hunter S. Thompson or whatever, and, oh, wild and crazy and living on the edge and, oh, a genius and drug-fueled crazy binges and adventure and all of that. Like part of a character. Yeah, exactly. And that's all fine and that's completely accepted by society. But women, basically, I found, just get labelled as crazy or as, as whores, sluts. Like even... When I got arrested uh, the very first time, the police basically just said to me blatantly, not even you know in a subtle way, oh, so you're sleeping with him, like the deal of it. God bless as well. And I got so indignant, which was the least of my problems, but like, how dare you assume that just because I'm a woman? And, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of women do turn to sex work and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But, um, the assumption I don't like. Yeah. And then there's all the other stuff. Like, for me, writing these columns, I think it was the fourth one I did. I'm not sure if you read that one about abortion. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, yes. So that's something that I have found isn't talked about much. I mean, abortion generally. But the choices that, as a female addict... We have to make so what happened to me and I'm, I'm happy talking about this now i was nervous writing about it but the response i've got from people since that one was published has been amazing and i feel really happy that i did i did put it out there but you know that's how i relapsed earlier this year i was about three months clean found out i was pregnant and i was faced with a really difficult decision because i was 37 and i've decided you know couple of years ago okay I do want to have children but it's a huge risk involved to have a child when you're only three months clean 
um, but also the age I, I am. It was a really, really hard decision. And I decided to have a termination. And um, I don't know if I made the right decision. I honestly don't. But it's a decision I made and I'm, I'm trying to become more comfortable with it. But um, it's not easy. But it's, it's been really interesting because since I've been here at Hope, I've met numerous children of heroin addicts. And that kind of really flipped things on its head for me because to think about, I need to say this in a gentle way, to think about these people, like a few people here that I met and their mothers are really bad junkies and all that. I felt really sad when I thought about the fact that, you know, if their mothers had not gone through with it, that these people wouldn't even exist. And yes, they're in rehab and yeah, they were pretty messed up, but they were beautiful. And so, I don't know, like, I'm very much pro-choice, and, um... Like, like, these topics seem absolutely huge, you know, for, you know, for an event for a woman, like, absolutely so crucial, like, to be dealt with. Mm. Like, do you feel rehabs do deal with them? Uh, well, f- you know, most of the reports I've read are around this stuff, basically, treatment is designed for men. And... But from experience, most of the rehabs I've been to do things as they do here at Hope, like women's group once a week. And the one here is great. Like we meet every Wednesday and we talk about about specific things relevant to women or we just talk about addiction or we just share our stories um, and laugh about some of the ridiculous and terrible things we've done. But there's that nice shared understanding and whether it's like another thing specific no, not necessarily the man can't really understand I mean the man could never really understand that, that what it's like to make a decision to have an abortion or not with their yeah. body being their body no no probably not and um, yeah I, I definitely still feel a bit conflicted about the whole thing and, and the man I was pregnant to so we were both clean and we've both relapsed since then we're both clean again now which is great, he's doing really well. But I just wonder if I had made that decision, maybe, I don't know where I'd be at, but I also, I'm not, I'm not naive. I know that having a child, and this is what the piece was called, um, something like, a child will not keep me clean. Mm-hmm. Like a really, really good friend of mine, she, she stopped doing meetings, she stopped doing working on her recovery when she found out she was pregnant. And she was fine for four years, and now she is in and out of rehab, complete, just terrible alcoholic, and her daughter may get taken off her, which is a very common story as well, women lose their children all the time. Um, yeah, having having a child <laughs> will not keep you clean and sober. Does, it must, like, does, it, does the kind of, you know, having abortions and stuff, does it leave a lot of guilt? Um... Or do, can it be an, another excuse not to get clean? I don't know if it's so much guilt, but again, I just had the feeling of, well, it's just me. So when, after I had the abortion, I had all these complications from it as well. Um, I, I, I said the, the two words addicts say pretty well, fuck it. Mm-hmm. And I 
started using again because I was really, really depressed. And the physical aspects of it as well, like being pregnant and hormones and all of that, and then suddenly not being pregnant and all of that, I, I was really, I was very messy. Um, but I don't know, it's not so much guilt, it's more just I... I didn't see the point to anything anymore and everything had lost meaning and I felt like I had no purpose. I wasn't writing. I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of the things I loved and uh, having children is something I would like to experience and to, to feel like I could not do that because of my addiction was really sad, really, really sad. And so... Yeah, it was an excuse to start using again in many ways. Like, I would use any excuse. But so, I'm just thinking, I mean, there's likely going to be people listening to this mm. who this would apply to. And I'm just trying to, I suppose, think, is there anything kind of relevant that we could say to them? I don't know. I think... I think guilt and shame is, is one of the biggest problems with addiction. But for me, there's, there's no... Why I'm doing what I'm doing and writing these columns, whether it's about abortion, whether it's about addiction or a anything at all, and talking about some of the terrible things I've done and not, not being afraid to share that stuff with the world, I'm doing that because I'm so sick of the stigma around addiction. I'm sick of people not talking about it because it kills a lot of people yeah. and it ruins a lot of people's lives and their families' lives. And yet, we're still told, just stop. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I tried to just stop that many times. And it's, it's, it's just so crazy to suggest that to anyone. Like, I, I, I had a little, not an argument with someone the other day, but they were saying, you know, they don't agree with certain, you know, the disease model of addiction and stuff like that. And I said, well, look, it works for me because... You know, when I think of myself, when I had septicemia, for example, and I was lying in a hospital bed and I'd nearly die from it and, um, you know, they were doing all the tests on my heart and stuff to figure out if I'd ruined my heart valves and all of that. And uh, I just remember, like, five, six doctors standing over me and saying, if you use drugs again, you are going to die. And my mum was there. And when they finally let me out of hospital, like six days later, I went and scored drugs straight away and used them again. Like there is nothing logical to it. There's, it, it that is insanity. But I've done that type of thing that many times and that's for people to say, just stop it. Or, you know, uh, it's, not a, it's not a real illness or just get over it. Like someone, close to me says to me many times shit happens Hannah get over it well yeah it does but don't you think I would have stopped using if I could I, I could not I was completely I had tried everything I could not stop using so I just so what changed so you you came you came to hope and what like you know is there something different about hope your experience at hope yeah I've been trying to figure it out but I think it's just it, it's many different things and I wrote about this as well like it is I think it was Simon that said you know it's something intangible um, getting clean and 
I didn't think that coming to Hope would work. Uh, I didn't, again, I didn't see the point. I had a tantrum before getting on the plane, like, this is just stupid, like, it's not going to work, why bother? But, um, and I was very negative when I first arrived here, and I was very sick as well from the detox, but I don't know, something began to change, and I think that uh, part of it is the mindfulness program here did really help me, so I remember sitting in one of your talks, first month of mindfulness, and I was really sick, and kind of like falling asleep but then waking up and I remember hearing something about ill will and about you know feeling unsafe in the world and I thought oh that's me because that's I think that the main reason I use is because I'm scared mm -hmm. I'm scared of everything and that's why I've constantly been returning to drugs is because the moment I get too afraid I, I grab what's got me through before. And that is what I kind of say to people, because the, the world that we kind of live in, mm. when we turn to, you know, the different drugs, it's actually the kind of exactly, the, it, it's kind of contemptible. It, it's kind of, it, it's exactly the type of world where you'd want to take drugs. Yeah. But the fact that isn't the real world, and that's what I kind of, you know, it's just a perception. Our perception absolutely sucks. And mm. it's not really our fault. It, you know, it's kind of... Um, one of my kind of least favorite kind of things that people say in recovery is this kind of bridge to normal living. You know, you know, I, I couldn't care less for normal living. You know, I kind of given up on that well before, and, and normal living wouldn't kind of do it for me. I, I kind of sensed there was something missing from it, and I think that's it because that normal living is this kind of way of looking at reality that kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, but there is something way outside that, and, and that's why I say when we kind of really start to see that. The, the, that need to kind of turn to drugs goes away it's because we, we no longer feel afraid mm. we no longer feel disconnected yeah and that things like yeah looking at that kind of fear and the terror and just accepting it for what it is and not because I, I used to if I got a thought like oh I'm scared or I can't cope with this I would panic and I remember one night here where I could not sleep at all and I started panicking because I always had this thing with like insomnia and um I remember you saying to me it's got it's it's got nothing to do with your mind it's your body's business sleep and that that was quite helpful but I was so I've always been worried that my feelings will kill me and I can't cope with them and that the sky is going to fall in and all of that and so yeah I, drugs drugs were a solution of sorts for a long time because they would kind of dampen you know dull that fear a bit and I, th I think it's a mistake to pretend that that's not true I think it's yeah really, yeah they I mean in, in the world that we kind of were in before we go into the different drugs drugs work to kind of help with yeah. that to a degree and Absolutely. something needs to, and then say, it may have saved some of our lives, you know, some of us might have killed, killed me in a suicide, you know, yeah. or otherwise, because that kind of world, I just wasn't comfortable, and it sounds like you just weren't comfortable either, no. and there was no way it was sustainable. No, and I, I just, yeah, I didn't know how to function, and I still don't really, but I, I've got a, like, I'm not so afraid anymore, I think that's what is different this time. Um, I... 
I don't, yeah, I don't feel as terrified. And I'm developing some kind of faith that, well, since I've been here, I thought I was coming for six weeks and then going back to Australia. You can't get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm still here, Um, which is fantastic. But how long is it now? I've been here five months. Wow. Tomorrow, five months. Um, And I'm not in a rush to be going anywhere else because I'm, I'm determined to not make any mistakes this time I mean I will make a lot of mistakes I'll do silly things my thinking's still not clear that takes a long time if, if it's ever going to heal but um, I just I'm trying to do the next right thing all the time I'd imagine some people might want, might be wondering mm. that okay you know she's in she's in here in Thailand for five months mm. and maybe it's easy for her to stay clean because she's in, in Thailand but if she's back at home she'd just be using it again what mm. would you say to that uh, it's a possibility. It's a possibility, and that's why I'm not prepared to take that risk. Mm. That's why I'm not going back to Australia anytime soon. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't say for sure. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think if I got on a plane and went straight back to the place I was living in, yeah, there's a good chance that maybe I would use again because being, you know, triggers and stuff like that and just being in that same environment. I mean, I know that I know that changing uh, locations and geographicals isn't the solution in and of itself, but to remove yourself and have some space and distance from that can be very helpful as well. I don't know. I mean, when I got clean the first time, when I moved back to Melbourne after about a a year or so, I remember I had to drive down this street to get to the job I was working, and it was the street I used to score on. And for months, I would grip the steering wheel and just stare straight ahead and be like, oh, come on, get through this, because I, I could not handle it. It was so strong the urge and the memories and all of that stuff. But as time passed, and only took a couple of months, I could drive down that street and I wouldn't even think about it anymore because mm. I had all these new associations and and I, I was a different person then. I wasn't the same person I was. So it's just giving yourself you know, enough time and space that you need. I, like I said, I'm just not prepared to risk anything at the moment. And you don't need to. No, no. And I can't... And you seem to be kind of, you know, enjoying your life here. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, it's simple. And that's what I'm writing about at the moment is um, I'm trying to <laughs> describe the simplicity of my life at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like going to the market and picking mangoes. And that's kind of the most exciting thing mm-hmm. I do right now. Or riding the scooter around. and But it's all those little things like... I was just riding here before on the scooter and had headphones on, which I probably shouldn't do. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> but it felt really nice. And just the breeze and looking around, and that's enough for me at the moment. Like, I don't need massive highs and excitement or anything like that. I just, like, I appreciate every morning waking up and not being physically sick. And that's, a, that's a big key to things, isn't it? Appreciating yeah. what you have. Yeah. yeah. And... Like, I'm sure it won't be forever, but right now, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy. What would you say to somebody that's, you know, in the same position you were just before you came here? That, that, that kind of, someone who maybe has kind of relapsed multiple times, is very, very kind of cynical about their chances of ever actually really changing, and have kind of, kind of lost all hope. And a lot of us kind of ended up in that position. Mm-hmm. What would you say to, to someone in that position now, or to the you that, that was there in that position? I think I would say, I have to think about this actually, because people would say things to me like, just keep trying or, you know, miracles happen, (laughs) things like that. And I I was so cynical, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, it's not going to happen for me. But... I would just say keep trying, really, because if I hadn't have kept trying, if I had have just gone, well, it's clearly not working, I give up, I wouldn't be here right yeah. now. So I think if you really want something, you do have to work for it, and I wanted to be clean, and that's the one thing I do give myself credit for is I, I didn't stop, and I didn't expect anyone else to fix me. People tried, um, but I knew it was up to me, and... I think really it comes down to though the meaning and purpose thing to remember why like I, I knew why I wanted to get clean again because mm. I actually really we've had a two and a half years so you yeah, seen yeah yeah and even before I used heroin and stuff there were at, like I was you know my life wasn't fantastic in some ways but I also I really liked the world I find it fascinating. I find people really interesting. I find myself interesting. And I think remembering why we want to get clean in the first place is what helped me. And also, you know, when I got here, and I remember um, one another client, the guy from Bulgaria, he had done 17 admissions to treatment. And I just felt so relieved. I was like, oh my God, someone else. And Do you ever worry you're getting addicted to rehab? <laughs> I, I don't think that's possible. Oh God. Um, no, but I was probably institutionalized to a certain degree. But I think, yeah, community is, is very important. And just relating to other people. I When I came here, I didn't feel like I was so alone because there was a few people that had tried almost as many times as I had. Like Simon, he went to 12 rehabs. Mm-hmm. All of that made me feel, okay, well, these people were bad drug addicts as well. Uh, and they got clean, so maybe I can. I think it's just that thing of showing up. Like... Um, yeah, you know, maybe miracles do happen, uh, you know, living with faith and all that kind of stuff, but you still have to, like, actively do things. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to actively get on the plane and show up and be in rehab and do the work here. It's not like I just came here and laid by the pool and got clean. Like, I worked my ass off. You, you know what kind of changed for me? I actually stopped trying in that I kind of said I, I'm, I'm done... I'm done with this. I, I, I would go. I would have one last attempt. Mm. I, I'd gone beyond trying. One last attempt. If that didn't, if I was going to put everything into that one attempt, and that made a huge difference for me, yeah. because I'd done all the trying, and I kind of had multiple kind of uh, adventures in recovery. 
and yeah. I kind of said I kind of I couldn't do it anymore. And it's that you know you reach a place I just cannot do that anymore. And I kind of have to do one thing or the other. And, it, and for me it was either kind of stopping or drinking myself to death. But mm-hmm. I was happy just to choose one. It was being caught in between the two. Well, that's that's kind of controversial. I found because I've said similar things to people, uh, where basically once I started kind of coming to here a bit and going, okay, I'm in rehab again, how am I going to do this? I made a decision that using is just not an option anymore for me. But other people disagree with that. It's all, it's always going to be an option. You can always go back to it. It's always going to be there. But for you me... What I say, if you, if you find something better, it stops being an option. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I, I was done and... It's not an option for me anymore because it's completely empty. There's nothing there for me. Nothing. Mm. And I understand what they mean about, oh, well, you know, you can always use it if you want to. It's always going to be an option. But I just took it off the table for myself. It's not an option for me anymore. Yeah. And where I'm at. This has been really um, interesting. It's been yes. great. Is there anything, anything kind of uh, final you'd like to say to uh, people listening? I think that the only thing that I I try and talk push I guess with addiction is is talking about it like I touched on before I just the stigmas and that it doesn't help anyone it doesn't help addicts it doesn't help society and it just needs to be talked about more and more and more because the truth will set you free well yeah and it also diminishes the shame and that's why I think writing these columns for me has been really helpful because directly saying I've done this I've done that and you know some of it's not not very nice (laughs) some of the things I've done it's um it's neutralizing the shame I feel and that's the thing I mean anyone reading those those posts I mean we'll link to them in 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 the podcast you know that the honesty really really hits you you haven't you haven't kind of pulled any punches. It's 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 it's, it's fantastic writing and that Thank the you. honesty. Thank you. And so I do urge everyone to kind of check that out. Yeah, I mean, that's all I had left basically, and I was like, I've got nothing to lose anyway, so I might as well just see if this helps. And it has really helped being honest, because for me, addiction like it's just lying all the time and living a double life, and it it didn't it didn't do me any favors. So it feels really nice to be able to go, this is who I am. Because it's kind of sad in a way to reach a point in your life when you realise, you know, I don't have to worry about people falling, finding out anything bad about me because it's kind yeah. of, you already know that. But it's also yeah, very yeah. liberating. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like... You don't have to worry about people thinking badly anymore or any worse about you. No. And I don't feel so bad about myself anymore. And that's the most important yeah, thing. So, yeah, I've, I've done some bad things. A lot of bad things to myself and others, but I don't believe I'm a bad person. Just terrible behaviours. Well, you know, this has been really good, and I think we're going to have to do another one at some point because we could go on and on talking. But we we, we leave it there for now. Cool, yeah. So thanks very much, Anne. Pleasure, thank you, Paul.